Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Conwin Isaac. And this week we begin our February request month. Like, so we are doing a backlog of requests. We sure are. And this one's a fun, it's a fun one to kick off February with. I mean, February is the month of Valentine's Day, which you know, that holiday, sure, whatever, however you feel is valid. Um, but this this movie uh, is not, it is not as romantic as many of the movies that we cover, but it is definitely comedy. Uh, it's 1985's Head Office. Yeah, starring Judge Reinhold. <laughs> he... He was a crush of mine. I had a crush on Judge Reinhold. <laughs> I when like, I was yeah, I mean, I thought he was kind of cute in the Santa Claus, which is funny since he's basically the butt of Tim Allen's jokes in that entire movie. Yeah, I know. I thought he was cute in that movie, too. But yeah, I watched like if you watched like Fast Times at Ridgemont High and just like a bunch of a bunch of early stuff that he did. This is an early one that he's done that. I actually hadn't heard about. Like, I was surprised. I was just like, there's a Judge Reinhold movie that, like, I had no knowledge of at all. And he's, this is not going to be the first time he is on the podcast. Actually, I don't think it is the first time because we did the Santa Claus too, and he was in that. But I don't think that we talked, I don't think that Kyle and I talked about him much, but he was he- there, but he wasn't like the focal point of the episode. Yes, but yeah, so, you know, he's he's Judge Reinhold. He was in Stripes, he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, he was in Gremlins, he was in War Games, he was in Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, and, oh my god, I knew, no, oh yeah, and Beverly Hills Cop 3, but fuck, oh my god, remember the erotic thriller that we did Zondali. Remember? Of course. That. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my God. That's what I was thinking of. I was yeah. trying to remember why I knew we'd covered him on the podcast. Yeah. Zondali. That was truly wild. Oh yeah. Judge Reinhold. Was- I mean, he's, he's such an interesting actor um, because he's had a long successful career in many ways, but he also definitely feels like one of those actors who uh like he works a lot but a lot of people wouldn't know him by name still yeah uh, I, this i mean this this whole cast is like ridiculously stacked it, <laughs> right? it, yeah i i did not i don't know why but when i looked at the poster and stuff i was just like okay so this is just like a whatever like a nothing movie and then we look and and we open and <laughs> Fuck. Like, in the opening, there are two characters in the opening played by big-name actors who, like, disappear really early on and do not come back. And then it's so wild. Like, we've got Danny DeVito in the opening playing um, Frank Stedman, who gets fired at the beginning of the movie in, like, a really long sequence of him getting fired. Like, that's how the movie... (laughs) That's, like, the opening of the movie. I mean, we meet Judge Reinhold 
too at the beginning, but the beginning is really all about Danny DeVito getting fired. And it, yeah, there's like 15 minutes of Danny DeVito getting fired. <laughs> and then he's like never to be seen again. It's definitely a choice. I mean, I love Danny DeVito, so I'm happy that he's there, but it definitely feels a little disorienting. This whole movie And then is I mean, we have Jane yeah. <laughs> oh, we have, okay. We need to. Okay. So the director is Ken Finkelman, and I'm trying to see what else has Ken Finkelman made. Did he really? No, he didn't. I was. I was. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I was about to say something, and then that was not true. Uh, airplane. I, I definitely two. relate to that. Airplane 2. He, he directed Airplane 2. <laughs> he wrote the screenplay for Grease 2. Oh, okay. All right. We see you. He also wrote, he co-wrote the screenplay, Who's That Girl? The Madonna movie. So, yeah, he had a very, he had a busy 80s and then that was that was really it. Sorry about that, dude. And yeah, he wrote and directed this movie. This movie was produced by Deborah Hill, which is so funny to me because she's most known for working with John Carpenter and producing like a lot of really good horror and genre movies. So it's interesting that she's here. Yeah, um, totally. Uh, so I would I would love to know what like her experience was on set with this movie. It's so strange. I okay. honestly would love a behind the scenes of the making of this movie, just so, given like how fun and chaotic it is, and just the stacked cast and the really long drawn out bits. I just have to know what the work culture was like. Right, because like okay, so the movie starts and it's like. Judge Reinhold is late for his graduation and it's because he's like fucking this girl at his college and the girl is like a scientist or like a biologist or something. She's got like all of these animals and she's like in a white lab coat and he's getting dressed and then she casually, well, she's not even casually, but she like the film is very casual about the fact that Judge Reinhold took her virginity and she is of course very stressed out about it. <laughs> and the oh movie yeah. Does like it seems to care. <laughs> yeah well and also it's revealed that she didn't tell him that she was a virgin until after and he's like wait you're a virgin she's like oh yes like and she's like timing their sex and everything but not in like a way to shame him or anything she's just like taking scientific data of the sexual experience and meanwhile uh judge reinhold's dad is a senator you know he's a he's a moneyed senator uh, I assume Republican, um, and he is like waiting with their mom, like at the graduation ceremony. And you hear the whispers of all these parents, you know, talking about which Ivy League, um, like, like basically the Ivy League uh, status of their children, and like, you know, where they're going to work. And they're all whispering. And then, of course, Judge Reinhold's parents are all like talking big about him, but they're also like, "Where is he?" <laughs> And it's implied that he's kind of the slacker son, but he's super privileged. Uh, so that's that's yeah. like how we meet him. Is it's like he doesn't really care about this shit, but he's like rich, and his dad's a senator, and he's just having sex. Um, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't yeah. care about business. I mean, Judge Reinhold does have like. <laughs> 
like resting nepotism face. Like he just seems just really comfortable wherever he's at. Like there are just no stakes. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Judge Reinhold just kind of strolls in. Um, he might not care about it, but, he, but that's because he has the privilege to not care. Like he's fine. He knows he'll be okay. Um, that's definitely an energy that he has. <clears throat> and so we meet him and, and, uh, after the the missing graduation, late graduation scene, the next scene is like him waking up in bed and there's his internal monologue where he's basically like, you know, dreading the fact that he has to get up for this job interview that his dad set up because he doesn't want to work every day in an office for 40 years, which I mean, you know, that's, that's real. Um, and he's just like, they're like the camera is like spinning <laughs> He has like VHS tapes like near his bed and it's just quite it's it's quite an image. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I, I kept on, like, obsessing over this. I couldn't figure out who the white guy was because I wasn't looking at the cast. I was just, I was just watching the movie. The main white guy, the senator white guy, what's his name? Uh, no, the senator is the dad. Well, who's the other white guy who has, like, Coen Brothers energy, but I couldn't figure out <laughs> who the actor was? Okay, which what, is it? One of the white guys at the business oh, it's, office, it's Eddie Albert. Okay, Eddie Albert. I was gonna say there's so many white guys in this movie; <laughs> it's no, hard to no, sort I, them. That's what I said. Coen Brothers energy because, like, kind of like I meant like it, kind of like an old Hollywood kind of attitude. You know, a kind of like, yes, we are all American. He's the oh, business. Yes. yes, that guy. Yes, his name's Eddie Albert. And, like, for some reason, I almost called him Charles Durning. And, like, uh, I apologize to Charles Durning. That's very disrespectful. You just both happen to be <laughs> old white guys with, like, gray hair. Um, yeah. Oh, God. He was in Oklahoma. This man, has he was on Green Acres. That's... That was actually what I recognized him from, which is super funny. But I used to watch Green Acres with one of my grandmas when she lived with us. Um, and yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of TV land with her. And so I, I vaguely recognized his face. <laughs> and then I was like, is that the Green Acres guy? Which just made it funnier that he's lampooning certain ideals of the American dream and like, uh, you know, like the capitalist overlords since he was in this very you know, 50s, 60s sitcom. Mm, yeah. So yeah, this cast is, this cast is wild. So Eddie Albert plays Pete Helms and he's the guy who like runs this whole company uh, that, that the film is centered around. And then there's a uh, Richard Messer who plays the guy who's like showing judge Reinhold around and telling him all the rules. And I love Richard. Me like, this is like one of those actors whose name I truly can't remember, like a real, real character actor where every single time I see him, I'm just like, I love him. And then immediately forget his name. <laughs> He's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like every time, Every time you kind of want to just go down his IMDb and watch everything he's in, and then like 30 minutes later, you can't remember his name because you've moved on with your day and you're like, what? <laughs> How did this happen? 
Yeah, if you look at his Wikipedia, Richard Messer has appeared in more than 80 films, which is like, yeah. <laughs> I think the first yeah, that's time... that's a busy I, man. That's a working man. Yeah. He, he like, also used to be the president of the Screen Actors Guild, which, made se- which makes sense, because the president of the Screen Actors Guild is always, like, this actor that's in a lot of things but isn't famous. It's usually not somebody who's famous, which I Right, because you don't like, have the time to be the president if you're, right. you know, playing a starring role every year. It makes yeah. sense, but you're, like, steeped in the industry, so, and, you know, all of the people... Yeah, he's actually from, like, two of my favorite movies ever, My Girl and My Girl 2. That was how I was, and I was just, like, I remember, like, being a kid and, like, having a crush on this, like, middle-aged man and just being, like, why do I have a crush on him? Oh, I love that. I did not recognize him from that, but that's, yeah, I mean, I love those movies, too. I didn't have a crush on him, but I love imagining you having a crush on him as a child. He plays, I think he plays Dan Aykroyd's brother in those movies. He has a bigger role in the second movie because uh, Veda stays with him while she goes on like a journey of like trying to figure out what kind of person her mom was. I love my girl too. <laughs> I need to rewatch that. It's so cute. It's, it's just so like, good. Just, yeah. She just wants to understand her mom. And that's, I don't know, that's like my favorite kind of journey. Anyway, so love Richard Messer. And there's also, um, God, it's so hard to keep up. I think there's there's Merritt Buttrick, and he, I think he's playing the blonde white guy who, like, keeps on, who's, like, upset that Judge Reinhold is doing so well. Like, the, yeah, the classic... Like, <laughs> He's he's a peer who actually tried really hard. Like, he's also privileged, but he also tried really hard in school. So he's, like, you know, top of his class and everything. And he just really resents the fact that Judge Reinhold is a slacker who just walked into this. I mean, basically, Judge Reinhold just walks into this job. And within a week of getting this job, um, he gets promoted. I mean, okay, (laughs) we definitely want to talk about, like, the day that he gets hired and like the death and everything that happens. Um, but yeah, this, the, the blonde guy is like perpetually angry at the nepotism that judge Reinhold receives. And like, okay. So usually we're like very good at being like this actor plays this and who's their name. It's very hard to do with this movie because there are so many white guys. It's like impossible to like keep we're track. literally this is not us making fun of white guys. It's actually that confusing. And to make it worse, because this movie was made 35 years ago, when you look at the actors, half of the pictures are old pictures. Like it's hard to match them to yes. who they are in the movie. So it's actually very hard to like name who plays which character that did which thing because because the pictures when this movie was made and the actors don't all match up in an easy syncing process. So yeah, it, it is, but it is like hilariously fitting that it's hard for us to sort all the white guys because so much of this movie is just making fun of, I mean, you could say making fun of capitalism, but I would say specifically um, U S kind of patriotic business culture, you know, the idea of like America being great I mean, it's kind of making fun of, like, MAGA, <laughs> like, before MAGA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, an important thing about the 80s, and you can tell this whenever you watch 
like really anything from it is that business is the is the big topic everything's about business everything's about suits everything's like very corporate it's always about like and it's and you know there's all like this the the kind of rhetoric that still fucks up our society now like the concept of like trickle down which obviously is bullshit and you know this idea that like mobility is going to like like it's very bootstrappy is what i'm saying it was a very bootstrappy decade and like yes absolutely I feel like Jane Seymour's character uh, exemplifies this more than any other character because like her whole thing (laughs) is that she's like, she's like sleeping her way to the top, which I have no judgment against that. She's doing what she's got to do. No, she's doing work. That's work. She's working. (laughs) Like, you know, you don't like, like fucking isn't just lying there. (laughs) And when she does, and when she does get like the like she's good at her job. She's not bad at her job. It's just like a yeah, she didn't pick a random profession to sleep her right. way to the top. She's just like, okay, this is a sexist world full of lots of old white men. I'm an attractive woman who's good at this. I'm gonna fuck a few people and, and get a promotion. I'm like, and all right, honestly, whatever. <laughs> she honestly seems smarter than most of the people working there. That's the other well, thing. Yeah, it, it does feel like one of those situations where she has to be more strategic because she's not a Judge Reinhold. You know, she didn't just get it handed to her. We don't really know much about her character's background. We don't know, like, what amount of money or connections she did or did not have. But we do know that she's one of the only female characters and she's the only woman who's really high up in this company. And so she is just using the tools she has and the tools she has are her intelligence and skills, but also her knowledge of just like the sexist way things work at this time. And yeah, I I agree. I think she's, I, I wish that we had more of her because I think her character, there was a lot to explore there. And obviously this is definitely a comedy. So it's not, The purpose is not to dive deep into the characters, but even through the comedic lens and the satire lens, I would have loved to have seen more of Jane Seymour. Yeah, yeah. And this, I would say that this movie has a very strong Gen X um, ethos in the sense that, like you were saying, Jordan, it's very much about, you know, big business, trickle down economics, but it's very much a reaction to that. And it's very much lampooning it and very much the anti-establishment rhetoric of Gen X, which is just like, you know, it's kind of like, fuck the man. This shit is bullshit. (laughs) Like, this is a lie. Um, These people, the suits are hypocrites. And, um, you know, they're, they're ruining, they're ruining life for the rest of us. And also they're selling us a fake dream. Like that's, that's very much the ethos of this. And it, so it feels very distinctly Gen X to me in that way. And I, I enjoyed the nihilist, some of the nihilist critique of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the humor, yeah. like if it, it feels, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, there's an irony there because a lot of Gen Zers, like a lot of Zoomers parents are Gen X. So they're, they have completely valid issues with Gen X, but I do think that there's an interesting through line where a lot of Gen X humor is very nihilist and anti-establishment. And I think some of that is circled back with Gen Z. Um, There's more specific language and intersections being talked about, but yeah, it's an interesting through line. 
Yeah. I, <laughs> the thing about this movie that I feel like we should say is that it's really not, the romance is not important. Like, I feel like almost if this movie was made like, um, even a decade later, it would have probably been more about the romance than about the other things. But it's very clear that this movie was not interested in the romance. And I kind of appreciate it for that reason. And I also feel like I was getting very like Ted and Zoe vibes from this romance where it's just like the blonde woman is like, she's protesting and he's like interested in the fact that she's protesting and he does learn from her and she does make him a better person. But like, there's no reason for that connection to be romantic. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and so, yeah, the, the blonde woman, uh, She's played by Laurie, Laurie non-angler, and her name is Rachel in the movie. And basically, you know, Judge gets this job. He's working for this company. And at, at first, part of his job is hearing grievances from people, from the public. And um, Laurie non comes in, or I'll just say Rachel, I'll use Rachel for this. Uh, Rach- Rachel comes in, and basically they are... The, so this movie is set in Philly, and the company is planning to cancel, shut down a plant in Allensville. And basically a bunch of people are going to lose their job and the town's economy is going to shut down. And she's like, you know, you shouldn't do that. You should basically give the plant to the workers so the workers can co-own it and they can still keep their jobs in the economy and like, you know, stop extracting from small communities and, and then leaving them high and dry. And she's very passionate and the scene where they meet, she's talking about this. And Judge Reinold is just like, wow, you're really pretty. <laughs> like, that's like <laughs> actually what he says. He's just like, did you know you're very pretty? <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting because like they meet and, you know, they have their little romance or whatever. But her being pretty is literally his gateway into realizing the problems with unethical business practices and capitalism. So like, <laughs> it's that, that power I, that she holds. <laughs> like you got, you got to start somewhere and what, <laughs> what a place. <laughs> I know I, it's so funny. <laughs> Like that's, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something to that. Maybe, maybe there should be a movement where just like models are like trying to sell Marxism, models selling Marxism. I'm into that. I feel like that is happening online a little bit. Like, you know, there is hot girls for Bernie, but there's definitely like, like hot leftists. Like, that's, like, a whole thing. I feel like hot leftist women, like, thirst traps and, like, Marx quotes. <laughs> like, it is it is super funny because normally um, the a scene where a woman is talking about a real issue and expressing concern and trying to get an actual response from someone and the man is just like, you're pretty, would make me really annoyed. But it's very funny in this movie because you believe that Judge Reinhold is actually just, like, struck by her <laughs> like he's actually just like wow you're cool <laughs> like, it's earnest um and we don't find this out until later but she is actually the daughter of um 
of uh wait why am i forgetting his name of, of mr mr green acres <laughs> yeah exactly she's the daughter of mr green acres so her dad is mr big business and she is miss anti-establishment which you know a classic tale as old as time right um so she has like extra skin on one hand she doesn't have skin in the game because you know she comes from money she's not going to lose her job in Allensville, you know, but on the other hand, she knows directly what these people at these companies are like, and that's why she hates them. Um, so the, it is interesting with the love story because this movie really like plot wise, so much of it is just like exposing how corrupt this business is, um, and exposing that this, and like making jokes about this business, like interfere, interfering internationally and like, aiding in coups in order to make money. Like there's just so much where it's just bits making fun of the corruption of America. And then there's this love story copy pasted over it. (laughs) Uh, Like, like the love story is basically judge Reinhold and Rachel running into each other randomly when she's like handing out pamphlets and having moments where she's like, Oh, it's you. And he's like, Hey, just because I'm wearing a suit doesn't mean I don't like you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I almost feel like the love story is really like Judge Reinhold's like falling in love with critiquing capitalism. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, not even necessarily her, <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's like he's finally getting a shape for the um, basically for the apathy that he's had towards status. And towards all of these values his family holds, you know, wealth, status, uh, being at a certain level in the business world. And now she's giving him actual reasons and a shape for that feeling. Like, she's actually like, yeah, well, this affects people negatively and this is actually ruining the world. And he's like, oh, cool. (laughs) Like, that's why I didn't want to go to class. (laughs) Like, oh, that's why I don't relate to my dad. So I, I yeah. think you're right, Jordan. I do feel like it's almost more about Judge Reinhold like waking up and having a name for his feelings of discontent rather than him falling for her. Yeah, his journey is actually really fascinating. And if this movie was like less funny, it would probably <laughs> um get more, you know, more into it. Uh, it's so it's so weird here because I'm looking for a character's name and for some reason he's not on the list on Wikipedia, which is weird because he's a major character. He's the guy who gets he's the guy who gets hired and treated like shit. Like it's kind of like the movie's way of being like nepotism is bad because Judge Reinhold keeps on getting pushed forward and forward and forward and then this guy works really really hard and then gets fired for like basically no reason and now it's hard for me to find him okay mark Rabin- mark rabinovich played by ron james like it's fucked up but he's not even on the wikipedia castle it's kind of hilarious that he's mistreated in the movie and then even in the online listing he's like omitted it's like an ongoing bit that transcends the movie it's just a meta like exclusion i I loved him he He was was great i thought he was a fantastic character yeah because he just like he wants to do a good job he also knows that he's like the way that he takes being treated like shit is honestly like i could learn from him (laughs) oh yeah 
Yeah, I mean, he's just like, okay. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Oh my God! I there, there are so many people that we haven't even mentioned yet. We haven't mentioned that Wallace Shawn is in this movie, partially because he's only in the first half, and then he completely disappears too. And oh my God, this is like maybe the youngest I've ever seen Wallace Shawn in a movie. I don't know if I'd ever seen a movie made I, it, like. It took me a moment to realize who he was, Jordan, because I was not used to seeing him that young. He was um, so young. He was kind he of was a little baby. In fact, I I honestly had the same. It's funny to have this experience with Danny DeVito because he's so distinct. But I had that. I had a moment with Danny DeVito where I was like, "Wait!" And then I was like, "Wait, that's." And AJ was like, "Yeah, that's Danny DeVito." I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like this is baby Danny DeVito. They're so they're so young and they're so like adorable. Like these two little short kings. And I <laughs> and I I love them. I love these short kings. They're so funny. I mean, yeah. yeah, Danny DeVito, it's like this, I mean, the whole bit with Danny DeVito at the beginning is just like Danny DeVito running around out of taxis to get fired because he did insider trading. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a long, like, roast of insider trading, which is very funny that we're doing this movie um, the week after all of the Wall Street bets stuff, since, like, you know, the stock market is, like, everybody's talking about it, even if they're not into finance. It's really, it, it is really fitting timing that we're covering this movie. Oh my God. My friend called me and he was just like, I didn't invest enough into cryptocurrency. And I was just like, fuck, cryptocurrency is a thing that people that I know invest in. This is wild. It's very funny. <laughs> I do have cryptocurrency, um, but like I invested like 50 bucks. So, you know, <laughs> now it's a hundred dollars. <laughs> um, I don't I've never invested that's so I don't know that's, I mean I, I don't know what I'm I mean like I put $50 in like 2017 so I don't really know if that counts as investing or just getting drunk and being like oh fuck around and find out um <laughs> I, feel, I feel like Jay-Z would be very disappointed in me because I have not invested but he's also a capitalist so I don't really care well yeah I mean that's the other thing is it's like <laughs> I mean so much of the conversation around Wall Street bets is fascinating because it's great to watch Wall Street lose. Who doesn't love that? I love watching hedge funders lose, you know? It's, Fantastic. It's, yeah, but no, like, it's yeah, like, you know, uh, Wall Street also isn't like, you know, the stock market isn't really the tool that's going to dismantle things, but at the same time, like, feed your family. I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, whatever. I, have no, I have no fucking I, idea. I'm not trying to, like, I'm just like, do whatever, everyone. I, <laughs> I'm tired. Like, like I like I'm a socialist, but I'm also too tired to be like be like you should do socialism. I'm not gonna just I'm not, yeah, I'm not I mean, I'm like, also there's not a way for people to do it when we're forced to live in America right now. So it's also just like okay, you can do like you can do mutual aid and like try to build the community you want in your neighborhood. But like I'm not gonna get mad at someone for living in capitalism. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, because like, what the fuck? Uh, oh my god. Okay, so the, and you, the Danny DeVito getting fired, man. I just want that. That like woke me up. Like I was tired as hell when I turned this on. I was just like, oh my god, it's my favorite king. I love and him so much. He's so and oh my, when they were just like taking the furniture out of his office, and then he shows up, and there's just like a Timex. He's just like a $20 watch. 
honestly, like Danny DeVito gives us, I mean, he's always been so great at physical comedy, but he gives us so much slapstick in the beginning of this movie. Like he's like running, he's like sweating and like running out of this cab and like through traffic. And then he's like tripping over himself down the halls of this, of this, you know, uh, corporate building. And then he's like, the furniture is getting taken out. And it's like, he's always sweating and like doing a backbend. It's amazing. Like peak, like just gorgeous work on Danny DeVito's part, but also so funny because his bit, I mean, from, from a a movie making perspective, it should definitely be like five to 10 minutes shorter because it makes no sense to just have 15 minutes of this. Like it doesn't really add to the movie. It's just another joke. So they could have had it be much shorter, but I think because it was Danny DeVito, they're like, let's just let him do this. (laughs) So it's so good. Like, honestly, it, it made me wish, like, I like this movie. I, I Like, I legitimately like it, but I also feel like could have, like, splintered off into his of his movie, and I would have liked that movie, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this movie, I would say as a comedy, is really great. Like, definitely, yeah. like, the pacing, I would say that the way that the plot is cobbled together is definitely clunky at points, like, there's a lot of bits that could be shorter. There's a lot of things that could be streamlined just as far as the pacing. But the joke writing itself is so good. It really holds up. <laughs> it's, like, very funny. It's so fucking good, man. Like, I was like, this is this is good shit. Like, this was... Why isn't this an 80s movie that people talk about? Like, I feel like it probably got bad reviews when it came out and then nobody, like, revisited it. But we revisited it right now and it is funny and I like it. Yeah, um, Amy and I were saying that we were like... We were like, this is so much funnier than so many movies that are considered, you know, cult classic comedies. Like, the writing is so tight. There's so many funny actors it really does a great job of roasting American, like American politics. It just, it roasts it in such a fun way. Like a business movie that's really funny is hard to do. <laughs> like that doesn't get dry. And this is just like so cartoonish and wonderful. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. We haven't even gotten to Rick Moranis yet. I know. I know. I know. Oh, oh my God. We have to talk about oh Rick Moranis. <laughs> so (laughs) so rick moranis is in this movie as anyone listening may have gathered from our our collective gasp um he plays a character named howard howard gross and howard gross dies (laughs) (laughs) he dies at work um So one of the ongoing bits in this movie is like people dying, like people committing suicide or talking about committing suicide, which is obviously a dark joke, but it works in this movie because it's making fun of how evil his company is and how it draws people to, you know, want to kill themselves. But Rick Moranis dies. I'm honestly confused about how he dies. Like, I just know that he dies. Right? (laughs) Like, he doesn't commit suicide or anything. He just like... I, I assumed it was some sort of heart attack or something. Okay, okay so yes, because when we're introduced to him, he was just like, <laughs> he's yelling on the phone. It Okay, the way in which he is yelling, I wish like we like we had like a clip. The I wish we could which, just show people. It's so good. It's like I, I had to bring Kyle into the room. I was just like, you, you have to watch this. Um, he... 
Okay. That scene is so wild. And it made me have a question. My question is, did a young Charlie Day watch a scene in this movie and then decide that this is how he is going to be for the rest of his life? Like the kind of yelling, the weird nervousness of it. I was just like, this is like proto whatever the fuck Charlie Day is doing. That's really, I did not make the Charlie Day connection, but I can completely see that. I was, what my my take on Rick Moranis' yelling was like, this is definitely roasting a corporate cocaine culture. Like it felt very much like corporate cocaine. Like he's just like, he's yelling, he's sweating. He's like making deals. He doesn't know what he's saying. His knees are like, his knees are going crazy. His legs are just like, and he just like keeps on yelling. Like I'm 35, I'm 35. I'm the head of this, I'm the head of this department. (laughs) That's my favorite is him asserting his age and just being like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And it's like very obvious that he's not okay. And he won't stop talking about like his car it's like I have this car that I can't afford and you're killing me you're killing is so and then like he just keeps on saying that and then he dies <laughs> and then everybody just like being so casual about the body oh my god and then the secretary takes the call and then she keeps on saying he's dead and then whoever's on the phone keeps on making demands and she's just like no He's dead. The secretary (laughs) taking that call was also one of my favorite bits. I don't remember what actress played her. And also the IMDb has so many actors. I cannot find her. Um, But Sam Lockhart. Okay. Yeah. She was incredible because she's just like on the phone. And she's like, yeah, he can't take an appointment because he's dead. And then the person on the other side of the phone is like, well, that's very inconvenient for my boss and my boss would like to see him. So can we move it forward? And the secretary is like, he's dead. And then finally she's like, do you want me to bring the body to the office? And it's just so, ah, it's so good. Um, it's just like such a perfect roasting of like the inhumanity of of corporate culture. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> Howard. The best thing is that like he dies and his body is just there in the office for a really long time. Like they don't immediately have like paramedics. They just leave his body there. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, I mean, because, well, as soon as we meet Wallace Shawn, his whole thing is that he tells somebody that he only has, like, eight months to live. And he's like, okay, but don't tell anyone about this because then everybody's going to try to get my job. And then that guy immediately goes and tells someone. And then uh, somebody asks, like, uh, what does he have? And the guy responds with, like, what his... (laughs) what his department is and what her position is. And the person's like, no, I mean, like, what's the disease? <laughs> he's like, oh, right. I didn't even think about asking. Like, they don't care. Like, like there's one guy, like, yeah, Wallace Shawn is terminally ill and, like, Rick Marianis immediately dies and, like, no one fucking cares. And there's several other characters that are, like, nameless and faceless who just, like, commit suicide. And, like, Rick, so Rick Moranis... Howard Gross is dead and Judge Reinhold comes in for his first day of work and somebody introduces Judge Reinhold to the corpse of Rick Moranis. 
Okay, so the wild thing is, is that like he's supposed to work for Danny DeVito, he gets fired. He's supposed to work for uh, Rick Moranis, and then he dies. Like, (laughs) it's so that's that's how he ends up getting the whole like complaint department because the people that he was supposed to work under aren't at the company. It's so good. Oh my god. Okay, so yeah, I mean, the main driving of the plot is that. They're closing down this plant in this small town and they want to move it to Central America so that they can, like, save money with cheap labor. And so, uh, you know, uh, what's what's her name? What's what's Rachel? Rachel. Yeah. Rachel is trying to stop it. And the company is like pushing Judge Reinhold through so that they can have support from his his senator dad. And then there's also later the go- the government of, is it Bolivia? Um, or, like, they're talking about South America, but is it? I can never figure out what country. Well, I think one of the bits is that they keep kind of talking about different um countries in South America like I know at one point they're talking about like Argentina and then they also just say Latin America a lot which doesn't really yeah. mean anything <laughs> like yeah. because it's like the old white businessmen who you know uh, don't really delineate so I was also confused and I couldn't tell if that was just part of the bit was that it's like oh these like white American businessmen don't even know anything about basic geography or if I also just actually missed an important detail yeah it like there's like so there so yeah we're uh, unfortunately just gonna have to say Latin America because we really don't know. I mean Central I think it's like Central America um so we've got there's like there's like a scene with a general played by John um Capellos who is most known for playing the janitor in the breakfast club so obviously not not a person of Latin descent, but they just put a mustache on him and they were just like, that's fine. It's always nice to, like, I was like, this mustache isn't fooling me. That's, I know. That's the <laughs> like, I'm, like an, an iconic character. He's also in Weird Science, so he's just kind of like an 80s person. Also, Brian Doyle Murray is here as Colonel Tolliver and he has like a whole scene that is like I laughed the whole time and I still really have no idea what he was talking about. Also. I know that's the best that's one of the strengths of this movie is like mm-hmm. when it really goes off the rails and <laughs> like when it really goes off the rails and you actually lost track of the bit, but it's still working. Um Don King is also in this movie. He's one of okay. the Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Don like I was staring, I was like, that's not Don King. Yeah, Don King was one of the executives at the evil company. Um, yeah, and he's like, this isn't about white power. This isn't about black power. This is about green power, which I feel is, like, really resonant in terms of, like, capitalism. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and in, in many ways, I would say that's even more relevant now than it was in the 80s. <laughs> like, as, yeah, like, totally. diversity and capitalism is touted as a solution to structural issues. <laughs> like, he's just like, yeah, we can, we can, like, come together to exploit communities. We are black and white together to exploit. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's true unity. 
And meanwhile, like, so, like, Judge Reinhold's whole thing with Rachel is fat. Like, there's one of my favorite scenes is Judge Reinhold is basically sent to do PR for the company in Allensville where people are protesting the closing of this plant, right? And so he goes there to do PR, but when he's getting asked questions by, and of course, Rachel's there with the protesters. But whenever he gets asked questions about like why the company is doing what they're doing, he's too honest. And so then you see shots of different men from the company getting really angry. And they're all like, you're not supposed to tell them the truth. You're supposed to tell them what we want. And basically, Judge Reinhold is getting asked, you know, uh, isn't this harmful to the community? Like, doesn't basically, doesn't the company care about the community and think about how they affect others? And Judge Reinhold responds by being like, well... Business really isn't about that. And he's just too honest. And so he gets in trouble for being too honest. Um, But then, and this is like also a great indictment of the trickery of PR, um, is, is people, the company actually ends up getting a good response because the public is like, oh, wow, see, look, they care because they're honest about how evil they are. And so then everyone's mad at Judge Reinhold, but then he ends up getting like accolades. They end up promoting him more because he like screwed with their image. And they're like, wow, thank you. The public loves this. Wow. Because like, I mean, and I feel like that's also really relevant now. This idea of like, we're going to do capitalism, but we're going to sound really conscious while we're doing it. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, we can do capitalism in a way that seems less harmful be- because we're talking to you more directly, but it's still completely fabricated and it doesn't change the actual effect of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's interesting because like, it, it you can tell that Judge Reinhold wants, like, when he when he finally gets, like, politically activated, he's like, yeah, yeah, I really want to. But he's also just, like, doesn't really know enough and is just really passive enough to, like, not really, like, change things as much as he could, you know? Oh, yeah. And I mean, one of the funny things that I think is, like, very true about the movie is that even when he is becoming activated, he's so born into deep privilege that he's still getting promoted at this evil corporation. It's like he actually has to try to combat it because he's so part of the system just by merit of, you know, who he who his parents are. Right. And so that, that's a funny thing too, is when he's like, I tried to tell them, but I just keep succeeding. <laughs> like you just can't not succeed. Yes. Yes, exactly. Which is, it's, it, it's so funny. Also, we haven't really talked about this undercurrent of like communism, which I, which, you know, makes sense like cold war stuff, but it's like, whenever anybody is like, Hey, it's we should so care funny. About- we should care about the people and what if the people like like i think rachel mentions like what if the people like you know owned the means of production which like yeah <laughs> like this is right duh. and then everybody's just like that sounds like some communist shit <laughs> yeah it was so funny i i really love the way that they handle that in this movie like just joking about Red Scare and like the way people respond. And sadly, that is very relevant now. I mean, as we look at our politics, that's still how people respond to basic calls for healthcare, you know? Uh, but yeah, the whole, the Red Scare in this movie is really well done. There's so many scenes where it comes up. I mean, in, in some of the earlier scenes with Judge Reinhold, um, 
there's like him meeting with various groups and then him trying to report back to the higher ups of the company about what the groups care about. And he's like, yeah, they're worried about like, you know, being underpaid or like women's rights. And then like the, the higher up businessmen are immediately like, ah, communism. Like, (laughs) it's just like, that's always the response is like this fear. There's this one tirade, the green acres guy goes on where he's just like talking about how Marxists, don't want people to be able to eat chicken um, in South America because like people protested at like a chicken place. And it's so absurd. It's such absurd word salad, but it's exactly how conservatives sound today. Um, Yeah. It like that whole through line is um, very funny and it feels very eighties in the way it's done, but it's also incredibly relevant still. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, there's so much of this movie. Like this movie really doesn't like aside from like the look of it and the tech, it really doesn't feel that dated at all. No, and that in itself is definitely like that is definitely depressing, but it does speak to the writing that um you know, the jokes are pointing the right direction when it comes to what it's saying. Yeah man <laughs> yeah so i mean the the quote love story since this is you know the bad romance podcast uh, yeah. i mean again like it really does feel like this movie wasn't written to be a love story and maybe some hollywood executives were like you need to add a love interest to make it pop or to make us sell it but Lori, uh, a.k.a. Rachel, is not in the movie very much. She's only in the movie a few scenes. We really don't know anything about her except that she's protesting. Her dad is Green Acres guy. And um, that's it. Like, that's it. Um, the, the moment where they cross the line from being flirty adversaries to, you know, love interests is when Judge Reinhold runs into her at a concert. And they, like dance and then she finds out that he got promoted even after even after like the bad PR that he gave the company she finds out he got promoted so she's mad at him for like failing up she pours beer on his head and then like he gets in a whole kerfuffle and like he gets caught in the rain and she sees him caught in the rain and she brings him home and then they end up hooking up um and that's kind of like the only moment in the movie where it's just them and they're not like in the middle of a protest interacting because most of the times they interact are in the office or in the context of a protest. Um, and yeah. even in that scene, we don't really see them get vulnerable with each other emotionally. We don't learn more about her. Uh, so it just feels very... It feels very after the fact, like the the whole romantic connection. And they do like near the end of the movie, they're like together in the office, basically trying to expose the company and stop it from assisting with a coup and like exploiting labor abroad. <laughs> like It's very convoluted. Yeah, no, it's very convoluted. Like it basically ends with like, uh, like their practices get found out and then the... And then her dad just kind of gets blamed for everything, which I mean, yeah. Uh, and then people are like, oh, are you a communist? Like, are you? <laughs> it was just like this McCarthyist thing where it's like, are you a communist? And he was just, and he was just like, are you kidding? Uh, and they just, they decide that he is. And then she gets all the shares because she is the daughter. And 
you know, make sure that the plant stays mm-hmm. and that the people in that town get it. And it's just like, okay, so you called him a communist. And then you, and then the person who runs the company now is an actual communist. It's like, you know what? <laughs> okay. It's so funny. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, this movie, like, like the love story is bad because it's not written, it's just underwritten. They're, they don't interact for like most of the movie. It's like random. It's, it kind of feels like randomly uh, they're like, oh, it's been 20 minutes since we've seen her. So let's have them interact again. So the love story is definitely not well done. I would prefer it was just removed because it just doesn't feel like this movie was made for that. Um, and like, like the comedy is great. Like the only issues are just like cutting and kind of harnessing the plot a little bit. But mm. I love this movie. I'm so glad that I watched it. <laughs> like, I would, yeah. I, I think, I mean, you have to get a Cinemax trial. Uh, you basically, you have to pay to watch this, even if you have streaming. But I think it's super fun as a comedy, and I, I would recommend it. Yeah, yeah, man. I would recommend it too. Like, I might try to see if I can find this on DVD on eBay just so that I can, like, whenever COVID is over, I can just unleash this on. Someone. Oh, yeah. I think, a, I think a movie night, an in person movie night of this would be super fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, we don't have any other suggestions for any other movies because we like this movie. It's a shame that it's, like, Cinemax because, like, no one cares about Cinemax. I know, I know. It feels <laughs> like it's buried. Like, I, I genuinely feel like this should have been a bigger movie. Even with the issues it has, it's so funny. I think that makes up for it. Um, so I'm glad that we got to rediscover it. Maybe we can get more people onto this movie. We can yeah, make it, it a cool on- classic now. <laughs> right, like, it was on HBO Max, like up until like the end of 2020 they just like they just took it off and I, it was like a thing where it just i guess the rights went over to cinemax and like hbo max like isn't perfect but i feel like hbo max was the better place for it so we'll see like if the rights get shuffled around again <laughs> yeah absolutely if they get if they get shuffled to the correct hands the hands yeah. that will that will feed us all these jokes Yes. So, you know, we got some other requested films and things. I think one of the things that we're doing this month is a miniseries, actually. Yeah. But that'll be cool. Uh, Yeah, so we love the requests. Thanks for them. Uh, Yeah, thank you for listening. And um, if you are a patron, then, you know, we're going to keep pumping out some In the Smut and some uh you know our erotic side pod and then our oc podcast and then jordan and kyle's ya podcast um but also if you're not a patron and you want to be a patron then you get access to these bonus episodes quarterly newsletters and um all sorts of fun fun (laughs) all sorts of fun (laughs) and of course uh we are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. And we always love reviews, but don't feel pressured, especially if you're in a bad mood. Um, And I hope that you're drinking water and being nice to yourself and logging off and washing your hands and wearing your mask. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. Bye. Let's go.
Back it up, back it up. 